Good morning, campers. <laughs> Welcome to the Bitch Seat Podcast. I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Phil Cassell. And uh, we are going to be speaking with um, our friend Chris Carfizzi in a little bit. Um, but before that, um, I'm going to kick it off with... Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about melodramatic writing uh, in this episode. So you know I have lots of that, Phil. So um, Where? I've I've never I never encountered never it. encountered any just um, a very well spoken twelve year old with yep. a lot of angst yeah pretty much but we all were right um, I'm really jet lagged today Phil is also feeling a little yeah a little jet lagged well we just got back from L A and we had uh, an amazing show at the Nerd Melt showroom yeah uh, remember that time when we said we didn't know what was going to happen but but thank you for coming anyway well it happened. <laughs> So thank, thank you for coming. Anyway. <laughs> and it was a very good show. Um, we got to hang out with Rob Bell and Sarah Benincasa and Karen Kilgariff and our friend Dana Bowers and and Zach Sherwin. It, they were all uh, they were all great. They brought their A game. They were fantastic. So so support all of them. Support all of them. And thank you to uh, Nerd Melt Showroom. And thank you to Matt Freed for for his help putting it together Go ahead. yeah no he's gonna officiate our wedding someday and maybe we're gonna name our child after him that's not happening okay he can officiate but great okay no um, there's no there's gonna be no joe's tom's phil's matt's none of those we're gonna name our kids strange objects shit. yeah like jason lee's pilot inspector is his son pilot inspector is drain pipe drain pipe drain pipe casal <laughs> You know what? I'm sure. I'm sure one of my grandfathers that was his nickname because that was like his weapon or something. This is already going to veer into sexual territory. We should stop. Oh, oh! I was talking about weapons, not penises. Uh, proceed. Great. Hope there were no children listening to this. Uh, no. Uh, we have a, a great announcement actually, uh, which is that we got picked up for a monthly run at QED in Astoria. And uh, we're going to be the first Sunday of every month at 7 p.m. So coming up uh, June 5th, we will have a show, Guests TBA. So check that out at lissamandel.com. Yeah, TBA is a good group. Yeah. You hit it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, let's get this show on the road because people don't want to listen to us babble. Okay, so I'm actually going to throw it way, 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 way back to the first journal of the bunch. Uh, Satin, so named because there are point shoes on the front. Um, not as creative as I thought. This is from July 15th, 1995. Dear Satin, as the sun stretches its last dwindling fingers of light across the shimmering waters of the river, I begin to wonder if I'll ever find my own true self. (laughs) I have to start off on, on a good note here. My whole life I've been a follower. Ever since kindergarten, I've asked my friends what they wanted to do or what they would wear. And now, at almost 13, I still worry about what everyone else thinks of me. And whenever I'm in a, in a store, I always think of the people in school and ask myself, would they buy this? Since this habit began, began when I was a small child, I'm not even sure what I like. Who, who am I, anyway? Just another face in the crowd. Oh, God, just kill me. Finish it off. Keep going. For the first time ever, I wish I had the nerve to do something really different and stand out. But I'm just a coward. A coward (laughs) and a copycat. Only a few hints of my inner self have pushed their way through my outer not-me shell. My favorite color, my love and talent for writing, my deep thoughts in the shallow world of the 90s, my complex, confusing perspective on life as a whole. I wish I could learn to open up and be me, whoever me is. However, finally, in Maine, and away from all my friends, I'll have no one to follow and ask their opinions, so maybe I'll loosen up a bit. 
In terms of who I like, it's sort of up in the air now. Mom's probably right about Tim. She thinks I only like him for his looks. She also thinks he's a bully. He was a bully. He tied people's shoes together like legit. Oh, what an asshole. I know, but I thought he was cute. I can't invite him to my bat mitzvah, but I can and am inviting Mike Santagata. I've been thinking of him a lot lately. I miss his laugh, his high-pitched giggle that sounded so girly because his voice hadn't changed yet. Your crushes are like a Street Fighter II screen of which one am I going to pick to write about exactly. today? That's, like, that's totally how it was in my mind. So like, you know, when I was listening to the whole greatest hits of, of Hall & Oates tape and I assigned each one to a different crush... It was like at the beginning of the song, I would like scroll through in my mind all the crushes. And I was like, who am I going to dedicate this to in my mind in the backseat of my dad's car? Uh, I miss the way his baseball cap was so big on him. There was a shadow over his devilish eyes. I miss, I just miss him. Granted, this is another person who I never had a single conversation with. (laughs) But summer has only just started. And there are so many new people to meet. So many new friendships to make. I prepared to accept opportunities. They could help bring out who I really am. So I have decided to finish off this little book on a happy note. I will continue writing about the different events in my life in another book, perhaps a sort of second volume to the one I've just completed. I'll always save this little book to look back on my memories of growing up in a difficult world. (laughs) Love, LMM. And that was the last page of Satin. And then what was the next one? Was it Dimitri? No, Satin 2. Oh, that's the right. The second volume. The second volume. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, uh, <laughs> do you have any thoughts? Yeah. I, I love it. Your angst is so self-inflicted. It's like, but it, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I know. Mine too. I mean, at the same, at the same time I had a crush. I had one crush. It was this girl, Laura Lobey. Fuck it. Who cares if anybody, who cares about names? She knew. Uh, <laughs> and everybody else knew. And so they would tease me on the playground. So then I would go home and like, just fucking harumph around my room and be like, God. How old were you at this time? 10 or 11. Yeah. So about the same age. Yeah. Uh, but 21 years on, do you, do you feel like you found the real you? I absolutely do. See, what's so exciting about reading this is that I, I see the huge change that happened. And I think it started to happen like the summer after this when I went to camp for the first time and I could kind of be whoever I wanted because nobody there knew me. That was the beginning of speaking like myself. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's great. See, but but see, I did exactly I did exactly what little Lissa wanted to happen which was I saved this book to look back on later. <laughs> My pretension never died. It just changed in form. Yeah. It just metastasized into bigger, bigger, grander things. Exactly. It's wonderful. And now here we are today. We're doing an entire, inst- it's an entire institution based on my pretentiousness as a 12 year old. To look back on when you're like 60, you can listen to these episodes provided the cloud's still around, you know? We, we will have been swallowed up into the cloud by then. Okay, well, then you can access it somehow, right? In so my brain. In the same, yeah, it's yeah. all in the same place. Um, well, speaking of uh, uh, pretentious writing, um, I'm really excited <laughs> to, <laughs> to welcome our guest onto the show. He's, <laughs> he is uh, an incredible actor and, um, and uh, a co- you know, a comedian, and he is a producer of his own uh, short films, one of them called White Privilege Frankenstein, which has been making great. The, uh, the festival circuits. It is really, really <laughs> great commentary. He's working on a, a, another self-produced project. Um, he um, is featured in, the, in episode 21 of Limitless uh, this season. So uh, let's give it up for Chris Carfizzi. 
gotta wait for the. Yes. There it is. Gotta wait for the horn section. I love it. Hi, Chris. I, I feel like everyone's just missed out on the dance party that just happened. No, they, they, they're doing it in really? their cars, too. Oh, we're doing it, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. That's good. It's good. We're on the subway. Hopefully on the subway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hope you're not offended by that Adam Ant selection, but no, I thought it no. was appropriate Please. for all of us. Kind of to anybody listening that you just participated in the silent disco. So congratulations. Congratulations. Hi, Chris. Hello. Um, I, <laughs> I hope you're not insulted by uh, your the intro that we had for oh, you there. Oh, no, no, no. Um, so, so many thoughts. Uh, yeah. Going back to, so let's get like micro. Mm-hmm. Um, the name of your diary satin mm-hmm. so when i was like three mm-hmm. i had the end of a little blanket that was like made of satin that i would not let go of like was it just like a little patch just a little patch of satin and it's how i fell asleep and oh you look you oh, made the face i had to make i had to make um, the jewish mother face you did it came it like popped out you, yeah. can't, you don't even try and um i would like that's how i'd fall asleep is i would kind of like run it between my fingers and and I was done. Um, But yeah, uh, so, so that was like, when Mm -hmm. you said satin, hello. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I, I listen, I'm like you, Mr. Casale. Uh, I come from Italian stock. We are a melodramatic people. Yeah. Well, you know, so are the Jews. Yes. And I was just mentioning to Phil the other day, how I had this epiphany that, you know, a lot of people, in the Western world especially, have a problem with expressing their feelings because it's still, whatever, there's taboo. You know, people repress it because they think that it's unseemly to show these kinds of feelings. Mm -hmm. But Phil and I both came from families where people just dumped all of their feelings out on the table constantly, which presents its own set of problems. Mm -hmm. But I'd actually rather be on this side of the spectrum, you know? Yeah. It's uh, healthier, I think. Uh, well, full so yeah. Full disclosure: I have I'm a half breed, so my other side is Irish. Um, so, so you're always caught between oh repression my. and explosion. Yeah, I mean, it was one side is like nobody's going to talk about this hole in the middle of the floor, and the other side is like everyone's going to take credit and or blame for this <laughs> hole in the middle of the floor. It must be hard to drink beer and wine together, or whiskey <laughs> and wine, and be, yeah. we have uh, all the things. You know. Potatoes Parmesan. That's okay. Yeah. We come together with gnocchi. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, man. I cannot wait. I have, one of my best friends is Irish, Italian, and mm. his mother cooks, and his father is very Irish, and so, like, I have to tell him that. I have to tell him about the gnocchi You know, bit. we were just visiting my cousins in Napoli, and they we stopped for dinner last night, and mm. they said, oh, we make a pasta with, um, with potatoes. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> you make p- pasta with potatoes? They say, yeah, it was delicious. We'll try. Well, yes, we'll have two. Yeah. And it was uh, it was amazing. Um, but it wasn't gnocchi? It was another it was kind of pasta? Gnocchi, no. Yeah, it was little slices of potato in there with like, I'm gonna, we're veering into my other thing right now, but um, which is food. <laughs> um, but it was you know, with garlic and oil and potatoes that just kind of happened. And then some herbs mm-hmm. just happened to be floating around in this pasta. And I thought, well, that's curious and wonderful. And it was. So, but you feel like you identify more with your Italian self or do you I feel do, divi- yeah. equally divided? Yeah. No, I mean, like when I find myself acting like that side of my family, like the Irish side, of, I get like angry at myself and then I drink a lot. It's, it's bad. 
No. Um, <laughs> which side is which? Which side is which? What do you mean? Which side is the Irish side and which side is the Italian side? My or are mother, they both both? My mother is the um, Irish side. My father. My father was the first one born from uh, Neapolitan immigrants. Wow. So, yeah. And uh, you were and you were raised where? Just upstate Newburgh, New York, 60 miles north of Manhattan. A tiny place? Um, it, it, it's a place that at one point was going to be something, but today, like literally today, I saw like a guy was arrested in Newburgh and it like made the local like New York news. And I'm like, yeah, that's about right. So is it kind of, so when you, is it like an upstate like, like pastoral wilderness or is it still sort of Westchester-esque? Um, if you, it's like a bedroom community of a bed, bedroom community, you're close enough to New York City to know that New York City is there and you're far enough away to know that you're a little fucked. Yeah, that's sort of how, I guess that's sort of how Guilford, Connecticut was too. So, yeah. I mean, that if I can be totally honest, there's a great story from like the 1940s when Frank Sinatra was coming up and like apparently Newburgh used to have these beautiful jewels of like little theaters and performers would come in on all these different circuits and Frank Sinatra came into Newburgh the weekend before he hit in Atlantic City, which is apparently the performance that made him something, he came to Newburgh and flopped. So that kind of tells you they were on opposite trajectories ever since. Frank <laughs> Sinatra went one way and Newburgh went the other unceremoniously. A little stubborn. A little bit of a stubborn town. Yeah. You know, like, you know, in 2000 and in 2000, 2004, you saw a lot of Bush Cheney type. Of- no. Yeah. Yeah, there's, that's that's in my town, too. So, like, you guys, you know, like, you guys, wait, I thought we were, okay, I guess we're doing this. So, yeah, like, my father was, a lot of people hear me say, like, I was picked on for being Italian as a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's stupid. You grew up in New York. You're like, a white kid. You're a white, thank you. But. Yeah, but but then like no 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 I actually I actually had classmates and and teachers like make fun of my name and for the longest time you know my, my father coming from my father was also older mm-hmm. so he came to America he, he grew up in America in a time where it was not popular to be ethnic and so he he like talked to me about changing my last name really yeah wow um he talked to me about like you know he he mispronounced our name for the longest time it was carfizzi even though everybody has pizza p-i-z-z-a mm-hmm. and they no one has pizza everyone has pizza <laughs> you know uh so yeah it took me a while to kind of um rediscover that and so did you feel so okay talking about getting picked on okay. when you were little uh, because that. we all Let's face it. Most people who come on this show were picked on when they were little. Why, are you, if, why are you taking this to me? I was picked on when making, I was little. I'm, little I'm well. making Phil, harmless eye contact. To, we were all Phil? picked on. No, I know. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. So um, you were picked on mostly for that reason? Oh, no. I was also a huge nerd. That doesn't help. No, it never helps. Never at all. And, and you were an only child? Oh, no. Uh, this is also another thorny issue. So my father was previously married and my mm-hmm. mother was previously married. Mm-hmm. From his first marriage, there were two children. And from her first marriage, there was one. Mm-hmm. And then together they had two. Oh. So depending on how you do the math, I was the youngest of two, three or five. Oh, so, and how, but how did you, but still you were the youngest. I you were the always youngest. the youngest. Yes, a baby. Were you spoiled rotten? Uh, that depends on who you ask. <laughs> that really depends on who you uh-huh. ask. Um, I, I, 
my my dad was tough as nails. Like he, it was it was hard to kind of get stuff past him. So so, <laughs> you were spoiled on one side, and then the the opposite. On yeah, the other it was side. it was kind of this constant stern and drawing of like, um, you know, ones oh be nice, stop, leave him alone. And the other ones like, hey, come on, wake up, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a very confusing. So who atmosphere. do you feel like you listen to? Like which side of that shaped you more? Now that you're a grown-up. You know, that's interesting. Um, and that uh, th- there was a really seminal moment in my, my life where I kind of chose sides. Um, and uh-huh. it actually has to do with my brother. Uh-huh. So my brother's gay. And um, I think everybody knows. I don't think I've just broken any news there. But um, <laughs> he... Uh, and, and, and it was the same time um, my, my father um, had kind of started to um, get cancer. And I remembered at one point, like my father was wired like a Cro-Magnon man, as I'm, as am I, like he couldn't understand it initially when my brother came out mm-hmm. and then, um, something in him flipped. He's like, no, my, my son is not the kind of person who really goes out of his way to, um, to do this kind of thing. So he's re- he's responding to something internal, like for a guy who was born in 1919, it was a huge evolution. Your dad was born in 1919. Mm-hmm. Wow. And how old was he when he you was came like along? Just about 60. Wow. Yeah. So for a guy from that era who grew up in the depression in America, this was a, t- a tectonic shift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the funny thing is that he could make the shift and my mom could not. Wow. My mom who was a generation or more younger than him mm-hmm. could not. And um at one point you know, he's there and he's kind of dying of cancer. And I'm sorry, I'm going a little dark here. But no, 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 this, this is, is where, where we go. go. He, uh, he's there Thanks. and he's, he's dying of cancer. And he he said, like, you know, he's he's got to be responding to something. In his He he had a bit of a simpler way of putting it, but he's got to be responding to something that he, he's not the kind of person, my brother, too. Who would just, like, create drama work yeah. for no reason. Like, yeah. it, I, that's why I find it silly when someone says, oh, you're just, like, especially with this, like, whole bathroom bullshit. Oh, yeah. Like, you're just being, you know, you're just looking for attention. Like, no, actually, it's fairly hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's going through a lot. Actually, I'm just hard. looking to pee without a problem. That's really what I'm, all I'm after. Um, so, but, but you know, he was the kind of person who was like, um, I'm going to embrace that. So as, as I started to, that was along the lines of my picking sides. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to not talk about it. I'm I'm gonna kind of search for what's real, mm-hmm. um, and I would rather be. That's when I made this choice. Like I'd rather be on the side of the table where everyone's like loud and pointing and yelling and shouting, than in the thing that looks like it's out of the 1950s mm-hmm. and everything is neat and mm-hmm. you know you, you, the father and the mother refer to each other as father and mother, which yeah, it's creepy. Uh, so, and how old were you when this happened? Uh that moment when you realized, oh, I'm definitely prob- more on the... I was probably like 23. Oh, super recent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a lot of, lot of evolution. A lot of evolution. And I also saw that I, I, I was taking my cues from him a lot. And I was like, well, this is kind of naturally what I do. He would also butt heads with me a lot. Your dad or your brother? My brother. I'm sorry, my dad. My brother, my father, my brother. Gonna re- we're going to rewind and ask that question again. Your dad, your brother, my dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's where I, I um I took my cues a lot from my dad. That um in just kind of how I operated a lot. So I found myself lining up with that. Don't get me wrong. Like my grandma, who obviously raised him 
in mm-hmm. the depression was also tough as nails. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, like going over to grandma's house on a typical Sunday was like, she'd open the door and you knew she was going to feed you and a small army, but the, her greeting was, what do you want? <laughs> so like, hi grandma. I got nothing for you. And then she'd turn around, leave the screen door open, walk into, as you may know, Phil, the basement of her house. And we <laughs> followed her into the basement of her house where there was a separate kitchen that was the one that was used. What? Oh, yeah. I didn't, see, we didn't have that. I didn't really, oh, no, no, no. no. Yeah. We, this, is, this was old school. That's like, old school. I wish I'd had it. I never actually had a grandmother. So oh. they all died before I showed up. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, I've I, had, I was very lucky in that I had my grandmother and grandfather yeah. until I was five. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, and that's old school. They had a basement kitchen mm-hmm. for the army. <laughs> and was there a whole there's like all these folding tables lined up with the no there was one huge like massive wood table in the middle of this living room tv room that was downstairs mm-hmm. with this awful red carpeting but it was like thin red carpeting there was nothing yeah it had, it had almost like um a tiffany lamp pattern on it <laughs> so it could have been like it could have been like a tile but it was definitely carpeting yeah yeah i know that and the whole place smelled up a mix of basil uh, oregano uh anisette and uh, i'm getting super ethnic on you and um no it's cool i'm used to it and, <laughs> and um you know then normally some kind of tomato or whatever she was cooking yeah, yeah that's, you, that's, you're smelling it right that's now. my scent that's it that's what <laughs> that's i, a, that's what I, I put, give off put it right here yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why we're meant under, for each under, other under each elbow i eat tomatoes uh, every day you know? that's it this is not a, a coincidence yeah. not a coincidence no, no, no. so yeah so the, as i looked back i mean i probably started taking that side a long long time ago yeah but so di- because i i sort of i mean both my parents are jewish but my dad's side of the family was definitely the more demonstrative like when we have big thanksgivings and other holidays it's always my dad's side of the family that all gets together and screams with each other about whatever our latest antidepressant is. Um, uh, and my mom's side of the family is like kind of scattered and silent. And a lot of them are kind of like live out in the wilderness and have shady political views and what have you. And so mm-hmm. I naturally move to the, toward the, the louder side of the family. And I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. I did. Um, so if you were the youngest, did you feel like, did that come with a sense of, of loneliness, did you feel a little bit like you were a pioneer, or do you feel like you had the influences of all of your older siblings on you? I felt a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. I felt a lot of pressure as the youngest, um, uh, in in many in many many different ways. Um, there was a time, like in third grade, you had to pick what um, what uh, instrument you'd play because New York State would make you go through and play an instrument at least for Wait, like a year. That was required. When I was there, could yeah. you play your voice? Did that count? Well, you could also do chorus. Yeah. Um, and so um, I remember I, I kind of wanted to play saxophone, but then I felt a lot of pressure. And this is like stupid. This is micro and stupid, but it's also true. I felt a lot of pressure for some reason that I can't even remember at this point to play trumpet. Wait, but where Why? was that coming from? Yeah. I don't. I, I I remember something about like my mother's child like saying well don't you want to play trumpet that's cool i'm like are we really measuring 
the coolness of a, an instrument that I'm probably going to get. Yeah, saxophone is always the coolest. Thank yeah. you. I mean, we, we didn't it read it this pink time. Pamper, but pink Panther theme. Like when you hear that, it's just like, that's an awesome sound. That's cool. Well, right? or the riff in Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty, <laughs> which, or that. which has taken a very important place in my life. And I was obsessed with the saxophone. I never played... I played the piano a little bit, but I, I hated reading sheet music. I just wanted to play shit by ear. So mm-hmm. they were like, this is a waste of money. Um, but I remember, first of all, I loved saxophones and I thought I was going to marry a man who played the saxophone. Um, I play the drums. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's and, cool. And the guitar. It's... Never too late to learn. Khan Academy yeah. fell. <laughs> <laughs> this, but, this advertisement for Khan Academy has not been paid for. Sorry. Um, but I, I, I remember... I remember thinking about the kids who were in band and orchestra. I was always a chorus kid and thinking that in some way their essence was matched up with whatever it was they were playing for, for what I can't really describe what it is. No, no, But like when I look, when I think about you, like the trumpet makes way more sense to me than the saxophone, because I feel like the trumpet players are all very like upright and buoyant and with their chests puffed out. And they're like, (laughs) you know, because you just are a very, a very put together person, I would say. Okay. I feel like sax players are more kind of like free form and jazzy, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean? whatever. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, that's just where I was at the moment. So, so, but you did it. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you played the trumpet, even though you really wanted to play the saxophone. Mm-hmm. And how did you feel about that? Did you embrace it, or were you like muttering under your breath the whole time, resenting it? Uh, so this is this is. Uh, I was the kind of kid who I, I would embrace it and try and be the best at it. Uh huh. Um, but eventually, I would have to learn like. That's not authentically me, mm-hmm. you know. Same thing. Listen, same thing happened with singing. And I was in chorus. And I played trumpet, and I was in chorus. Uh, I can tell you the first identifiable moment where I did something like this. This I own. Yeah. Was when I had like two lines in the school play. I was like, <sighs> and it felt really good to hear your voice on stage. Uh, it was. Um, it was nice to be in the, be on stage, be in another reality, um, which is weird for a third grader to have that realization, but. It was like nice to be like someone else or something else. And uh, one of my lines was a punchline. And just, oh, I mean, you, the fever oh, hits That feels hard. good. Like yeah. I said, the punchline and all these adults who, you know, they, I mean, I was fishing with dynamite and I didn't <laughs> realize it, but all these adults who more or less were obligated to laugh then laughed. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. And yeah. how old were you when that, that happened? It was, it was in third grade. Third grade. So that was that's an early time to get bit by the bug. Oh, Yeah. And it, yeah, they, they gave you the first one for free there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What yeah. was the play? I know you'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so someone had, I don't think they could get the rights to do Charlotte's Web, but they did like a version. <laughs> oh, we did so many of those. Marlott's Schweb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and then we had music with it and all that. And I was Uncle the Pig. I was just the big fat pig who won at the town fair. Did you take offense to that? I did not. I would have. I would have. Yeah. I was getting laughs. I really, I was getting laughs wearing a pig costume and sitting in a dog cage on stage. I was in heaven. Yeah. Happy to be that the comic relief. Yeah. That's very happy. And so when that happened, did you have, were you developed enough in your mind to be like, oh, I'm getting on this train now. Like everything has just changed. I, it, it really shifted a lot. Um, there were some interesting circumstances that kind of pulled me back a little bit. Um, but yeah, it definitely like, it, I felt like a little bit of a mission. Um, had a lot of uh, kind of hard time staying on the track for some reason, but it was definitely like 
that was a transformational mm-hmm. moment. Was it because, did you have a hard time staying on the track because there was a part of your brain that was like, that's not practical. That's not practical. We can't do that. We're never going to support ourselves that way. Or was that just my, my family brain? that was like, that's not practical. <laughs> that's not practical. People don't do that. Literally my grandfather, not, not my grandpa Lou, uh, on the Irish side, on the Irish side, try not to name names, but my grandfather sat mm-hmm. me down and said, this is not something that people did. Oh no. Which, yeah, which I regard, um, objectively as something that's a shitty practice to do. So if there are any parents or any future parents or future grandparents listening to this, avoid that. I know, but they came from a different generation because yeah. I, yeah, I know, I know. And I, cause I had the two, I had the two voices in my head all the time too. And, um, my, my mom is the worrier mm-hmm. and I know that she's really just concerned with me being able to support myself and sure. be an independent person but she always was like, oof, like there's no way that's going to work out. And my dad was like, follow your dreams. That's why I went right. to law school, you know? But but here's the thing. Like my dad, who would be the first one to sit you down and say, look, you got to find a way to make money. But otherwise, do what you love. And when you, the, the sooner you can line up doing what you love with making money, the better. Like my yeah. dad from 1919, as opposed to my grandfather, who was weirdly younger than him, um, was the one who's like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's a whole new dynamic. This, yeah. We'll do another one on that. Yeah, yeah. please. Uh, but no, um, so my dad, who's older than my grandfather, um, I'm blowing minds today, um, <laughs> would have said to you, no, you go ahead and you do it and you find a way to do it. You really want to do it? That's where your heart is, that's what your head is. That's what more or less sets you on fire in the morning? Then mm-hmm. do it, do that. Mm-hmm. So it's... You know, I know, I know we kind of sway, you know, between one, one thing and the other, like a, like a pendulum in this country sometimes, but like there wasn't that big of a difference between those two. And, but he knew, my father knew this is what you want to do and do it. Oh, great. That's important to have that voice. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm really lucky in that respect too. And especially cause I know people who were basically banished from their homes because they decided they want to be artists. Right. So just got to celebrate what you can. Right. Um, so Chris, I want to talk about the, the artifact that you brought for us. And I know um, uh, you gave me a little bit of a, a tidbit about it, but why don't you give a context to the listeners? So um, this is a quote from my yearbook. Um, Your yearbook from what year? So this would be my, from my senior year of high school, of high school. Yeah. Um, um, and so, I re- yeah, as I as, you, as I thought about it, I was kicking around in my head. Should I just read it and we can talk about it later? Sure. So I'm going to try to not throw up in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, if all the world's a stage and we are merely the players, then we must each play our own parts with conviction. That's a senior quote for you. <laughs> so first of all, can we talk about the fact that I badly ripped off Shakespeare? Did you quote it? Um, was it in quotation marks or? Oh, I don't think so. No. I don't. I don't think I was. No, that it was aware. just straight up plagiarism. Yeah, no, just plagiarism. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and then it just took such an earnest turn at the end. Oh dear God. 
<laughs> but I understand that. And did, so did you get any feedback? Do you remember getting any feedback on that? I remember no one saying anything. All I remember <laughs> is that I read it one day post-graduation and I felt the warm wash of shame over my body from like, Oh, you actually did this, you mm. pretentious douchebag! Well, because you you were you exposed yourself. <laughs> you were vulnerable. Yeah, as pretentious as you may think it sounds, you were vulnerable. I yeah. I don't even remember what I said, but I know that it's definitely a misquote of something stupid. <laughs> and but that was everybody. That was everybody's last words no, in I, high school. You know, so it's so weird because they set this up like, what do you want to say to the world? I'm like, I just want to go to college. I like yeah. to try and figure out a way to make what I love doing my life. What, why, why, why do we have to like put a pin in it right Seriously, now? That is what they treated the yearbook as is like, all right, you're, you got a hot mic. Here you go. You're free. <laughs> it's a lot of power. Yeah. First of all, first of all, I don't know if they had this in your yearbooks. Our senior yearbooks were like, like you get a yearbook every year, but senior year you get like a whole page or a half a page. And Jesus Christ. they, they allow, oh they allow people in your life. Like they allow your family to write, notes to you that get oh, published like with your picture you and your quote. special snowflakes. I need water. I, <laughs> but um, oh, here, you can have some mine. Go to a spring your own. Oh, Jesus, it's a wire. Um, we're ruining, we're going to set ourselves here, on fire right now. a napkin. Yes. There we go. Um, the day has been saved. My senior yearbook, I brought it to college in Chicago and then um, I, I was storing it in the basement of the building. Like there were these, there were these metal cages where you could put like extra there was extra storage space you put your bike down there and i put like a huge crate full of stuff like choir like sheet music and um and other whatever stuff that there was no place for in my room and then when i moved out of chicago i left it there oh so my senior yearbook may or may not still be at the corner of ridge and church in evanston illinois um, want to go there? I do kind of. I, I do kind of want to go back and see if someone in that building will let me in the basement. It's there's. I mean, they probably cleaned it out, right? You have to assume. I don't know. There were things in there that. See, this is the kind of building we we called it the theater ghetto, the corner of Ridge and Church and Ridge and Davis, and mm-hmm. because all the theater majors live there, it's like a half a mile off campus, and we all had really stupid parties with like Everclear and Kool Aid. You know how they do. Fantastic. Yeah. Good, um. Huh? But. It was the kind of thing where the 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 people who owned it was called Parliament Apartments was the the people who owned the all the buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they rarely came in between tenants and cleaned it up. Usually, a tenant would just like pass it on to the next person and the next person and the next person. And so these apartments were one hundred percent filthy and falling apart. And I I highly doubt somebody cleaned out the basement. Well, I mean, if it's still there, if it has the same owners, then we should definitely. And if that owner is a hoarder, yeah. <laughs> If that owner is a hoarder, if that if this is true, what else is true? We should probably That's just right. go there. But however, think about that. What's going on with housing now? I mean, maybe that was uh, somebody took it over and cleaned it out. But also, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. We have to go. But do we? This is a struggle that I have. Do I need to have my you senior have a business yearbook? based on the past? <laughs> this is so important. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that and how I talk so much out of one side of my mouth mm-hmm. about minimal, you know, minimalizing clutter and like cleaning out my life and like this whole, the whole cleansing process is spiritual and physical, and yet I have created a whole business that allows me to continue. To hoard and collect things. In fact, I depend upon those but things. But you give them away. 
Every time you interview someone. Yeah, but you know what? And 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 yes, so at the end of this segment we're gonna give you a little gift. Alert, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thanks, Jeez. Phil. But um but I was thinking today when I was choosing which things I, I was gonna give away, mm-hmm. some of them I picked up and I was like, I'm not ready yet. And even though they're pieces of junk that I pulled out of the basement of my childhood home to in order to give them away, I was like, is this one ready? It's not ready. So it's just Listen. layers upon layers upon layers of denial and uh, what I'm saying is it's a journey. Not not to enable you, but like my dad was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. Did I tell you my dad was old? And, <laughs> um, and um, you know, I still have his Brooklyn Dodgers jersey that will never fit me. That I should never wear. I mean, it's like a tent on me, you mm-hmm. know. But like, I I go. I have moments where I feel like I'm just gonna like go, and I can't. I can't. No, that's different, no, though. Yeah, that's that's. I'm a, talking about like piece like doll furniture and like. I'm just trying to help. <laughs> broken, like music things that don't make music anymore. Like I have this pencil, ca- this pink plastic pencil case that has like one of those teeny tiny little keyboards like embedded in the top of it and the keyboard doesn't work anymore okay but i mean it's a piece of garbage but i i can't bring myself <laughs> to give it away yet um i can send marla over if you'd like uh for the listeners at home marla is my wife and she is expert at throwing things away oh oh my gosh okay she could make a whole business that's the opposite of your business Maybe I'll bring her on as my arch nemesis in one of these shows. Oh, there you go. That would be great. Um, So, Chris, I would like you... Can you read that quote for me one more time? I shall. Thank you. If all the world's a stage and we are merely players, then we must each play our parts with conviction. And what did you feel that your part was at that moment that you needed to play with conviction? So, you know, that's interesting (laughs) because, like... I can't identify that is the funny thing, you know, like something compelled uh, you of okay, all the things let to me, say let me, that thing. Right. Uh, well, one was an obligation to say something because they gave me that, that space for it. And what I said, what was I going to be the idiot who said, I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. You know, but also like, so this was also a really weird place in my life because, as you know, um, my brother is an opera singer. Has, mm-hmm. He's been an opera singer. He also got that to- that charming talk from my grandfather. Uh, but at 24, he showed him that he was wrong mm-hmm. when he met his, made his meth debut. Incredible. So we didn't have a lot of money um, kind of ever. And um, going to college, which in the, the mental, in the, mind, the mindset of my family was like, fait accompli it was going to happen mm-hmm. then for me it was about um what do you want to do and i had had experience on stage and i really really wanted to go for like drama mm-hmm. the issue was the training that my father could afford to get me was opera training and he always like i always would say to him is opera training cheaper than drama training well no but he found a guy who would teach us both oh he knew a guy he got a guy yeah no, the a guy, two for one special the guy, guy was legit, but the guy also liked my father and made him a deal. And so the, I was able to have some slice of it as a kid. What I really, I finally, um, one of my first coaches was the original Mufasa on Broadway. Oh my God. And he was amazing. His name is Sam Wright. He's the voice of Sebastian the Crab. And like, mm-hmm. that was another moment where it reminded me like, ping, 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 this. Yep. yep. And, um, but I had like a couple of sessions with him 
and to send one for opera training and one for acting training was like too expensive. Exactly. <laughs> and so we, we both went for opera training. And so it comes to go to college, which is where my head was at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, uh, my dad keeps on telling me I should do this. And eventually I'll find a way to do what I want to do, but I don't want to, I mean, it was, listen, it's, worked a day job it's much better to be an opera singer than to work a day job but it certainly was yeah but if you're gonna hear what i wanted to really really do if you're gonna break your back in the service of what you really love then you might as well do what you really love and not what you second really love right yeah and so at that point when i said that i know that i'm like kind of so sometimes if i don't know in my in my life i would have like fought and other times like the the pushback that i would get or just the lack of resources that we had mm-hmm. made me kind of just sit and think like i'm just kind of in this weird cloud and i don't know what to do and kind of time is not going to stop moving oh well, i still I'm, I'm still in that cloud <laughs> and i still feel like i'm running behind a speeding truck yeah me too well, trying to catch up always yeah. um Wow. Um, Sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, But just to finish, time is not going to stop moving and someone's going to, like the system is going to then push me into undergrad. And then I got out of undergrad and I somehow through undergrad, I had the courage to kind of switch out of opera into musical theater, which to me Mm -hmm. felt like a coup. You know, part part, part of the reason I went to the school I went to is because my brother was going there because they would give us a family discount. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a good pattern. And, um, and eventually I kind of made my way into, um, into musical theater, which was closer, but certainly wasn't like, yeah, you, you got into acting through the side door. Yeah. Yeah. And I always felt like a little bit of a sham for doing that, but I got in. Yeah. And we also all feel like a sham. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. We talk Um, about it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So at that moment, I really don't, I was probably kind of in my, my first, journey into that cloud of like i have no idea yeah but i think it's interesting because you talk about i mean the word conviction like whatever it is that you're doing do Mm -hmm. it with conviction it was like some part of you that wasn't fully at the surface yet that Mm -hmm. was partially buried like your deeper self was telling that to you was speaking that to you and even though you didn't know what the conviction was yet Mm -hmm. you ended up following that deeper gut instinct later when you were ready and yeah we all think we're shams and that's okay because I think you say you got in through the side door. I think maybe you just didn't know how to ask for it until the time came and here you are now. Sure. But and I, for me too, I, I went to college for like seven or eight years trying to be a double major in theater and film. I could have gone in as a BFA, but it required more work. So I went in as a BA and I tried to make up the time by being a part of the student-run organization that did all the work to do their shows mm-hmm. and didn't really have any help. So to make it seem like, oh, I'm, I'm working, I'm, I'm, I'm earning this. But really, all I had to do the whole time was be like, I want to do this. Well, you know, I, I actually, actually, I think that that kind of brings the three of us to a really interesting point, which is that, you know, someone asked me, like, you know, could, could you do this basic, simple thing? Can you tie your shoes? I'm... I might not be able to, but like, if you wanted me to like construct a large building, mm-hmm. oh, I got that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, there are people, and I think we may be them, who are kind of wired to do the harder things. Yeah, and yeah. and who kind of choose the struggle, uh, even though we don't realize we're doing that until later. Right. And I, I was, um, I think about this a lot recently, like with the, in the context of how I 
moving to LA soon. Mm -hmm. Um, but the whole thought process of like me leaving New York to go to LA was like, Oh, I've been choosing the hard way for a long time Mm -hmm. because I thought that the hard way was the right way. And that the hard way was the only way to success. Mm -hmm. That the only way to success was through this epic, miserable struggle that's like reaching success cannot come through joy Mm. from whatever, whatever brainwashing I, you know, wherever I got that from, Mm -hmm. um, or whichever one of my paranoid parents, um, (laughs) but we got there anyway, we got there and now we get to live the fun part. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's also kind of why I like to do this show is because I, I think that the talking about this stuff now, now that we've come through the hard, like that the part where we were like in this dark cloud of ignorance Mm -hmm. is just, it's like, let's celebrate. Let's rest on the laurels of having come through the struggle to the other side of it. We, I I know. I think, and I think that that's wonderful. I think there's a, a really priceless, um, a really priceless, uh, feeling, um, almost indescribable about being able to really be in the moment when you're have to, when you're competing with the side of your family that won't shut up and the side of the family that won't talk about anything. Um, and, and all of the neuroses that go with that. It's so easy to remember. I remember walking down a hallway somewhere and I, it occurred to me that I had not been in the moment Mm-hmm. And it took, which is which sounds like a, a weird and stupid thing to say, no, no, but no, like no, no, I no, also I felt like this this weird this weird thing. Like everybody knows that this, none of this lasts forever, and there's this weird, wonderful feeling that if you can at least inhabit the moments that you have, that you have really squeezed the life out of it. If you can be here in the moment, be here now. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ram Dass. Um, oh, it's did, a, did, it's a book by did, Ram Dass. All right. All right. Yeah, did I just gonna... rip somebody else off now? No, no, you're just, you're just, you're just speaking in a long line of but, masters who have said exactly that. Well, uh, yes. Love to Rob Dass. Rom. 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 Oh, and I'm going to get you his, a copy of this book. It's and beautiful. His brother Rob. There's <laughs> a lot of competition. And his, at uh, home. their sister Q Doss. Uh, and their mom MS. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh. Mar- was it Ma- Mary? Uh, Mary something or other. Mary Sarah Doss. Mary was going to say something or other, but Very Sarah's nice. fine too. Yeah. Very, one of us will be pantsed as a result of this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't know who, but Kent's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> tacitly nodding his head um but uh no if if you can if you can at least inhabit the moment that you have and make the most out of it there's a huge victory in that yeah and do you feel so, that you're successful now now that you are a grown-up do you feel like you're you're more successful in that like how many per- what percentage of the moments are you are you i make a really I make, an, I make a daily effort it's i mean you guys know that i used to weigh a bunch of weight and a little well I'm going to say that in English. You guys know that I used to be really fat and I lost a bunch of weight. And every day I have to work on not overeating mm-hmm. or making sure that I exercise. It's mindfulness. I, it's mindfulness. It's the same thing with being in the moment. It's like every day you have to remind yourself. Here I am. I, I'm here. I've got this. Um, I really, really want to squeeze the best out of it that I can. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's beautiful. And I think you're doing a great job of it. Oh, yeah. And um, I want to give guys. you the opportunity to um, 
to uh, plug whatever you want to plug that you're working on right oh, now. Fantastic. Um, so uh, we'll we'll talk about white privilege Frankenstein where you can see it if you want to see it. Mm-hmm. You can catch us on uh, next week at Freddy's Bar in Park. But this Slope, comes out Brooklyn. May twenty second. Keep in mind, so that will have happened. Okay. Already. Uh, if you if you're listening to this, unless you made it, I'm sorry. It was awesome. We had a great time. <laughs> Um, June June first. Yeah. We're getting used to this block recording where we have to, we keep shouting out dates that are about to happen, but they're, it's going to come out weeks after. So <laughs> a lot of the, every episode is like, uh, thank you, it was a good show, and <laughs> we don't know if it was, but yeah, no, uh, everybody loved us on May. Uh, Listen, yeah, May seventeenth. It's time. Project it. Time Project isn't really a thing, That's you right. know. Yeah. Ta- time isn't really linear. That's just a. It's kind of like just a run an illusion. On, yeah. It's, it's a run-on sentence that has a lot of parentheses and digressions. Go. Anyway, so. Uh, uh, you can catch us uh, at Dixon Place, which is down the Lower East Side, on June, uh, June 1st uh, and the Iron Mule Comedy Festival. Nice. Excellent. And um, you can also catch us in the Indie Works Halloween show that will be October 26th coming up. Yes. Um, if you want to know more, you can follow us on Facebook. Just look for White Privilege Frankenstein on Facebook. And actually, I'll give it away. You can just watch us on Funny or Die or YouTube as well. Yeah. I mean, and, and for context, White Privilege Frankenstein is a short film mm-hmm. written and produced uh, and directed by Chris and starring. He did all the things. Um, <laughs> and it's a, it's a short. Uh, it's exactly it's exactly what the title says it, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's a commentary. It was. Um, I, I was blessed with uh, a, a legion of amazing people to two of them are sitting here uh, here with me i'm doing my best to embarrass them. come on there's so many like there there were so we i just held a scythe dude and, and i you, just but you were all like i know i will watch it every so often and like pick out like your face at one point and just nice. like it's the everybody everybody like even the tiny tiny moments were huge just go watch it yeah it's watch, great. It. watch it watch it watch it watch it Really, um, and the style stylistically. Sorry, I got to go on for a sec. Stylistically, he nails the Universal monster nineteen thirties aesthetic. Oh, thank you. Fucking nails it. Sorry. Um, other other things that I, I can promote are you can see me. Um, you can hear my voice and see my arm on episode <laughs> six of Horace and Pete with Louis C.K. Which is not nothing. It's still it's a not, credit. That was a, we could do a whole podcast on that experience, um, and. Um, you can watch me now on demand on CBS in episode 21, part one of the season. I demand this to see Chris Carfizzi on television. Great. I have been demanded. <laughs> uh, again, that's another podcast too, though. Um, you can watch episode 21, part one of the two-part season finale of Limitless, um, right in the beginning, uh, buying a television. And um, I'm currently in pre-production about to, I think in, in mid to early June, we'll be filming uh, my next short, which is very different from um, White Privilege Frankenstein, it's a romantic comedy called so fun. called The Finger. Nice. So um, stay tuned for that. Yeah, it's so great. Stay, I got to read the script. It's um, it's uh, a version of it. It's it's uh, evolved a little bit. It's great. But it's you know it's been wonderful, and I I I can't wait. If anybody's listening to this and um, you feel lost, uh, take one step towards making your own thing. I want to encourage you not to feel like somebody else has to help you necessarily. 100%. You do not Absolutely. need to be a follower. You don't do not be follow a follower. Follow your heart. And follow Chris on Twitter at... You're a monster. At Chris Carfiti. That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-R-F, like Frank, I-Z-Z-I. Not Carfizzi. 
not car it's fest. like pizza like two pizzas car, like pizza yes yeah thank you um and chris i'm gonna leave you as i leave all my guests with a gift as i said which uh may be construed as a piece of junk but you can do with it whatever you want take it as a symbol it is uh, some doll furniture. <laughs> it is a you tiny. Can, you like hinted at it. I know. Yes. It's a tiny yellow plastic rocking chair. Wow. Um, I had a beautiful dollhouse that my mother built for me from a kit. Uh, this is not from that. I had like re- I had furniture. I had furniture in that dollhouse that was like fancier than furniture I will ever own for my own house. Um, I don't remember what this is from, but it was in my room until very recently. Well, thank you. So um, you can sit in there and have your philosophical. I've, writings yes, I'll, I'll you know i was just in florence and rome and and naples italy and this rivals some of the finest art and sculpture i have no I've doubt seen. i have yeah. no doubt yeah you're just, were you at the uffizi i was at the uffizi oh, yeah man, I love that place. chris carfizi at, at the, the uffizi. uffizi what yeah that's about yes to i love watching the the later progressions of the generations of the of the medici family where they're kind of really inbred <laughs> <laughs> it just becomes one eye. And <laughs> Their head. heads become Mr. Peanuts. Yeah. Like, you, you realize some of the Salvador Dali's were just were straight pictures. Yeah. So that was it. Uh, well, Chris, this has been delightful. Yeah, thank you. Thank and, you so uh, much. Thank you for coming on and sharing this, uh, this, this tiny... I hope that listening to my pretentious ranting made you feel less bad about your one line of plagiarism because uh, it's not so bad. Um, you know, like the good news about being in the moment is I'm not in that moment anymore. There you That's go. That's right. You're in a new moment. Thank you That's so much, right. guys. That's this right. It's been wonderful. Thank you all for listening. And remember, treasure what got you here. Amen, sister. That's our new line. That's, That's it. That's right. Yeah. Follow us on uh, the underscore bitch underscore seat on Twitter. Uh, like us on Facebook. And uh, follow, all the things. All the things. Follow <laughs> at Lisa is a person, uh, at Phil Casal, and. Uh, yeah. Subscribe on Google Play. Yeah. Subscribe on Google Play. Google Play. Like us on iTunes as well. Subscribe. All just, the things. All, all the things. things. Connect yourself. Thing, find it. Yeah. We have <laughs> enough episodes. Just plug plug in. Inject it into your arm and just enjoy a few. Yeah. Bye. Bye. I'm Ben. As always, I'm Paul. And we're from Juicy Reviews. We have a podcast where we like to talk and review movies, maybe bring on a wacky character from that movie, and always play some games. We like some games. I actually brought a clip, Paul. Wait, you brought a clip? I brought a clip. Can I listen? Yeah. I look mad young, right? Yeah, yeah. you look young in the movie, and... Uh, I hooked up with a bunch of the young chicks at the movie. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's not illegal if you're a police officer. And, and, I believe that, And this yeah. is something I wanted to bring up since you're here. Sure. Tell us about all the hookups on set. Oh, my God. Who's Hun- hooking up with who? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, like, there's, like, these, like, Asian girls in the movie. Right. They play, I, the twins, I right? triple kissed them. Okay, oh, a little triple kiss. Triple that way, I didn't get confused if it was Rachel or Rebecca. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, or oh, whatever, and I triple kissed them. Was and was that offset or on camera, or and they got cut out, maybe, or? Oh, uh, I didn't do it on camera for sure. Okay. I would never, because I, you know, what I mean, that's I could get in a lot of trouble for that. They, I don't, I don't know how old they are. I can never tell with them. But uh, who else? Let me see. Cecily, the girl. Yeah. I chalked. I, I chalked her. You chalked her. What, <laughs> I chalked what is, her. What is chalking? That's when you kind of forcibly kiss someone. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!